Good evening. You're listening to WYAWLP 93.5 FM, where you are welcome from Pooler Savannah. We now present an encore performance of an annual Christmas musical from the Savannah First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope you are blessed. pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a little city located in the province of Galilee. Gabriel appeared to Mary, a young virgin engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, whose ancestor was King David. Gabriel said to her, Greetings, Mary. You are highly favored by God. May his blessings be with you. You have been selected over all the women in Israel.
When Mary saw Gabriel, she was frightened and confused about what he was saying. She tried to figure it out, but she couldn't. Then Gabriel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God has been very gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be the Son of God and will do great things for the Most High God. God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over all the descendants of Jacob forever, and his reign will never end. There's a rose in Bethlehem Where the beauty quite divine Perfect in this world of sin On the silent holy night There's a fragrance much like home that it sends upon the wind Reaching out to every soul From a lowly manger's grave Oh, Rose of Bethlehem How lovely, pure and sweet to glorify the Father, born to wear the thorns for me. There's a rose in Bethlehem. Color red like mercy's blood. Tis the flower of our faith. Tis the blossoms of God's love. Though its bloom is fresh with you, surely what will be He knows. It's rolling down the roads Oh, Rose of Bethlehem How lovely, pure and sweet Born to glorify the Father Born to Oh, no. 
happen between two old people like Abraham and Sarah, but how can this happen to me when I'm not even married? Gabriel answered, your pregnancy will be by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the baby you give birth to will be holy, because you will be giving birth to the Son of God. God has blessed your cousin Elizabeth, who never expected to have a baby at her age, and now she is six months pregnant. Soon she'll have a baby boy. With God, nothing is po impossible. Mary said, I gladly submit myself to the will of God to be his servant. Let it happen to me just as you said. Immediately, Mary started making preparations to visit her cousin Elizabeth, 
who lived in one of the southern villages in the province of Judea. When she got there, she told Elizabeth everything that had happened and that she was pregnant without being married. As Elizabeth listened to Mary tell her the experience, the baby inside of her jumped for joy. Then the Holy Spirit inspired her, and she said, God has blessed you, Mary. You are the most honored woman in all the history of Israel, and God will surely bless the baby you're carrying. So who am I that the mother of Israel's long-expected Messiah should come to visit me? Why am I so favored? As soon as I heard the sound of your voice, the baby inside of me jumped for joy. Bless you. You believe the angel Gabriel and it happened. You're pregnant and all the other things he told you will happen too. How could it be this baby in my arms Sleeping now so peacefully The Son of God, the angel said, How could it be? Lord, I know He's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this planet How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small, his face and hands so fair. And when he cries, the sun just seems to disappear. But when he laughs, it shines again. How could it be? Planes, dime, oh Dios, cuál es mi lugar. ¿Cómo podré ser padre del Hijo de Dios? Simplemente soy mi Señor, un carpintero. ¿Cómo podré, Señor, saber cuidar a un rey? How could it be, this baby in my arms, sleeping now, so peacefully, 
son of God, the angel said, how could it be? Unto us a child is born 
shall reign forevermore. No. Spirit responded, I want to praise the Lord. I love him with all my heart and soul. He is my God and my Savior. He has chosen me to give birth to his son, me, the least known of all the women in Israel, and to think that all the generations will call me blessed for giving birth to the Messiah.
about this time, Caesar Augustus declared a nationwide census in all the countries throughout the Roman Empire. Everyone was required to register in the city or town where his ancestors came from. Joseph lived in the city of Nazareth in the province of Galilee. He had to travel all the way down to Judea, to the little town of Bethlehem, and register there because he was of the lineage of David. He also had to register Mary, who had married him and was about to have her baby. While they were there, the time came for Jesus to be born. All the rooms in town were full, so they had to spend the night in a cattle stall. That's where she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in strips of clothes and laid him in a box where, angels feed, where animals feed because there was nowhere else to stay.
Somebody say bravo. bravo. There we go. Bellissima. You know, it's tough to follow little kids. Well, I just want to take a few moments of your time to get you to reflect on something which doesn't necessarily have to be more serious, though in some ways it is. Uh, it's serious in its impact. But I also want to thank all the students, bell choir, choirs, teachers, you guys. It's unusual to have people sit behind us up here. It's nice. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as the song says. And uh, most people probably have something they do at Christmas that they wish they didn't always do, like a guilty pleasure, like eat too much chocolate, or chocolate-covered pretzels, or chocolate-covered cookies, or drink too much eggnog, or something like that. Here's my guilty pleasure. Hallmark Christmas movies. Is there anybody else here? Is there any men? Is there any men? Jimmy, thank you. Are there any men? Real men. Real men. Now we're going to do church. Little Hallmark church. Hallmark movies, I discovered them a couple years ago. I think I stumbled around the dial, and I, I thought, why is it snowing, and all those people are standing there with their coats open, acting like it's decent weather, and why don't I see any breath, even though it's snowing? And I thought, hey, this is fake. So I started watching. And I noticed some things about each movie. Now, of course, you can find lists like this all over the internet, but this is my list. There's always a career-driven girl, woman, or guy who goes from the big town to the small town and ends up judging the gingerbread house contest or saves the general store, something like that. There's always snow, but there's never snow on the sidewalks. It's always on the side. It's always cold enough for snow, as I said, but they're never wearing winter coats. They're always wearing these very trendy coats that are always open. They're never buttoned. There's lots of scarves. Every woman in every movie, whether she's in the house or not, is wearing a scarf. And in every shot, literally every shot, there's Christmas decorations in the background. There's always hot chocolate. There's always someone baking cookies, and yet no one's ever visiting the dentist or fat. They're just, they're drinking hot chocolate, they're eating cookies, but everybody's ever got a problem with diabetes or anything. There's always like a sassy best friend that's telling you something. Come on, you gotta go. There's always some boss that comes back from the big city, tries to get you to meet that deadline and go back to New York or wherever it is. The parents or the grandparents, and I resent this now that I'm old, the parents or the grandparents are always very wise and very curmudgeon -y and they always have gray hair and are the little kitten. Now let's not be too... Well, Dad... There's always a precocious child. I don't know if everybody's widowed or divorced in these towns, but there's always a precocious 10-year-old girl who wants to make cookies with the person who came from the big city. There's always a touch of magic or someone that actually looks like Santa where you shake the snow globe and, and good things happen. And the towns always have really strange names like Christmas or I can't think of any other ones now, but the towns always have really cool names. 
And there's always one kiss. It's always at the end. And it always starts snowing. Now, I love each one of those movies. I'm sorry, but I do. And yet they have nothing to do with the biblical meaning that we attach to Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, the closest TV show that I have found, you know, entertaining Christmas show that has to do with Christmas was from 1965. And I know a lot of you, by looking at you, you weren't alive in 1965. I wasn't. I was born in 1989. But we'll say that I had been alive in 1965, and there was this one show, Charlie Brown Christmas. And Charlie Brown's looking for the true meaning of Christmas, and he's upset that nobody knows the true meaning. In fact, he even laments. I like that word. Isn't there anyone who knows the true meaning of Christmas? And of course, Linus, with his thumb and his blanket, says, sure, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And then he quotes Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, which you probably could not get away with in one of today's specials. But back then you could. And he says, and there in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Come on, preacher, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And then he looks at Charlie Brown and he says, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And I would say, Linus, my brother, amen. Now get that thumb out of your mouth and hand me that towel or blanket. You see, there's lots of Christmas stuff. There's cookies, there's shows, there's all these things. But if you really want to get down to the real nitty-gritty of the religious part of the holiday, because it's not all religious, of course, it's this, that Jesus left heaven to come to earth, but when he came, he came as a nobody. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He could have been born Anywhere that he chose to be born. He could have been born the son of Pharaoh. He could have been born the son of Caesar. He could have lived in a palace. He could have come in an interplanetary spaceship. He could have come with lights and smoke like a rock show. He could have come with fireworks and pyrotechnics. He could have come with lasers. He could have come with dry ice. He could have been the greatest Instagram person or whatever you call it that has the most followers in the world, more than Kylie Jenner. He could have been the biggest YouTube star that there ever was. And yet, he did not do any of that. He came in the dark of night during the tax season, I might add, in the town of Bethlehem, born to a carpenter who were far from their home, probably scared out of their minds, but it turned out to be the perfect place for the Savior of the world to be born. Jesus was even such, was under such a distressing disguise that when the angels told the shepherds 
where to find him, they were saying, we're not even sure you're going to recognize him because you're thinking it's going to be a king. But here's what you're going to find. Here's a sign for you. He will be laying in a manger or lying in a manger. Jesus was born so poor, he didn't even get a real room or a real bed, just born to two normal people on a normal night. In fact, one of those people was an average Joe. Thank you very much. You know, I resent all the things with my name Joe, by the way. You got Lazy Joe, Sloppy Joe, Joe Blow, Joe Schmo. I resemble that remark. Of all the people who have ever lived in this world who deserved to be born in a palace, who deserved to have attendants waiting on him or her, who deserved to be praised and honored on this earth as well as forever, it would have to have been Jesus. But none of that was important to him. He wanted his beauty and his glory to be noticed in other ways. So he came with the key attribute of humility of condescending, of coming down, of emptying himself, the creator of all things, the maker of the entire universe, in choosing how he would come, lay aside his divine prerogatives. He humbled himself. And the word humble comes from the word earth. It means to be made low. It means to be made nothing. It means to be made way down there to put other people above you. All religions believe this, that the nature of love is to give. The nature of love is to be selfless. And Jesus came to show the true nature of love. He could have sent an army. He could have tweeted out what he thought. He could have sent an email. But he came. He took on flesh. He incarnated. He tabernacled among us. He became one of us so that he could live and understand the human experience. To know what it is to feel and to be on this earth. Now it would have been grace enough if God the Father had announced from heaven's throne that he was commuting our senses and opening the prison doors of sin. That would have been the very definition of unimaginable and unmerited favor that God was freeing all people from the penalty of sin but that his son would come down and condescend to crawl among his people in the darkest parts of this world to be one of us, to experience pain and the dirtiness of this world and to taste the worst of the weakness and the cruelty that this world has to offer is more than we would dare ask or think. Because all of us, and this might be the message for you today, All of us are important in the eyes of God. There are no small people, no insignificant people in the eyes of God. You are as valuable as any person who has ever lived upon this earth. There is nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There is nothing you can do to lose God's favor. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. Because he could not possibly love you more. He loved you so much that he sent this son to this earth. So you might wonder, does he love me? The answer is yes. You might wonder, will he always love me? The answer is yes. 
You see, Jesus didn't divide his life into religious moments or sacred moments and common earthly moments. Jesus was forever just calling attention to the small and insignificant things of this earth. He talked about a lost child. He talked about a lost sheep. He talked about a lost coin. He talked about a small mustard seed. He healed a small girl that had died and returned her to his mother, it says. He, he healed a blind man. He healed an invalid at the pool. God's love involves an ability to see the divine and the creation within each person. You see, Jesus was born in a stable that night <clears throat> with one thing in mind, and that was reconnecting you and me, people, to God. That road to reconnecting and reconciliation led Jesus from the manger through 33 years of life to a cross. From the cradle to the cross, Jesus had one thing on his mind, and that was you. You are the reason that he came. You are the one he saw when you were in your mother's womb. You are the one that he saw as he sweat drops of blood in Gethsemane. You are the one that he saw as they drove nails into his hands. You are the one he saw as he cried out, it is finished. And you are the one he saw as the angel rolled away that stone on the resurrection morning and he burst forth in glory and in power, never to die again, but with the promise to come back again. No longer limited by his humanity, he was now fully God and fully man. In full power and majesty, he came. And that is why we come together today. That is why we do church. That is why we worship. That is why we praise him. That is why we let heaven and nature sing.
this Christmas be a great time for you. May you be surrounded by those you love. May your pants be so tight from all the food that you eat that you have to undo them. May you have a headache from all the noise of children and loved ones around you, so you have to go outside and take a walk. May there be leftovers in your refrigerator. May there be money left in your wallet or your purse. Maybe not. May your charge card not be as high as you thought it might be. If you cry tears, may you know that the Lord loves you despite your tears and your sadness. But as you gather together with those around you, I just pray you'll know that we celebrate many things, family, friends, faith, all based on the fact that Jesus came to this earth and lived and died for us. And that's why we gather together at Christmas. That's what it can mean. The rest of it's all fun, even the Hallmark movies. But the real reason, in my mind, is the birth of Christ. So be happy, be healthy, God bless you, and thank you for being here today. Amen. You have been listening to an encore performance of an annual Christmas musical from the Savannah First Seventh-day Adventist Church on WYAWLP 93.5 FM, where you are welcome. Please join us every Saturday at 11 a.m. for worship service. Thank you for listening. God bless, and Merry Christmas.